You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We're on the second installment of our current series called He Who Promised. We started this last week. And basically in this series, we're looking at the book of Deuteronomy. And we're getting to know how much of a promise keeper God is. Okay, How faithful He is. And by doing so, we will get to understand and be assured now that we are provided for by God. Okay, we will understand how much of a blesser and a provider God is. Now, for the first week, we talked about a charge to obey. We talked about obedience there. And for this week, we'll talk about a charge to remember. Now, speaking of remember, who among you here can honestly say now you have moments of forgetfulness? Perhaps for some of you, maglisod mo when it comes to remembering names. Diba? You know the face, kablo ka sa nawong, pero hindi mo ma-match ang names sa person. Okay? I have those moments sometimes. More of inanay ko nga pagka-forgetful, you tend to misplace things. Anyone who's like that, car keys or motorcycle keys, IDs ninyo, phone ninyo. Perhaps for some of you, nakatry na mo nang nag-call mo person. Uy, nalimtan na ako akong phone. And you're using your phone or shades or eyeglass ninyo. Now, it's pretty funny or no big deal na kayo kung small things ra ang malimtan nato. When it comes to essential and important things, when we forget them, then it can be bad or harmful for us. Like for example, if you forget to take your medication, that can be bad for you. If you forgot nga, you have an exam the following day, kung student ka, kung nakai due nga, submit nga report or project, and that's bad for you. There are other things that can be costly when we forget about them. Likewise, when we forget about God's faithfulness or the, any other things that relates to God, it will lead to terrible consequences. So we need to make sure we remember of these things. So that being said, let's take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. This will be our main passage for today, and we'll look at verses 2 to 4 and 14 to 16. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn it there? In verse 2, it says here, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Verse 14. Then your heart will be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Just a quick reminder of the book of Deuteronomy. This is the fifth book of the Bible on the series of books called the Pentateuch. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and of course, Deuteronomy. Now in this book, is basically a collection of Moses' last words to the Israelite nation. Parang his last sermons or speeches. At the end of this book, he would die. Now, in chapter 8, the title of chapter 8 actually is a call to remember. And here, Moses is reminding the Israelites very important things. If last week he was reminding them to obey God, even when they would experience prosperity and abundance when they get to the promised land, now he's reminding them to do a certain thing. In verse 2, it says here, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. So, pause for a while, okay? He says that, you guys, my Israelites, remember how God has led you these past 40 years in the wilderness. Now, if you read your Bibles, you would come to understand that the place called wilderness is an important part of the Jewish people. Say story nila. If you remember, the Jews, the Israelites, they were rescued from Egypt 
through Moses. They rescued sila, they saved sila, they crossed the Red Sea, and they went to Mount Sinai, and later on, they would go on their way to the Promised Land that God had promised to give them as part of His promise or covenant to Abraham and the rest of His descendants, the Israelites. But on their way, something happened. They didn't get to the Promised Land. Kung kung expect nila nga time. Now, a quick search as well will remind you or will tell you that wilderness means an uncultivated, uninhabited, or inhospitable land or region. It's a place where wild animals live and no one really settles there. So, what happened nga ba sa trip nila? Because it was supposed to be Egypt, Mount Sinai, then Promised Land. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, we get this interesting statement. It says here, Normally, it takes only 11 days from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. So the verses say na from Mount Sinai or from Egypt, they would go to the promised land. It would have taken them about like what? 11 days lang. Quick lang ang trip nila supposed to be. But it says here na 40 days after they left Egypt, about to conquer or claim the promised land. So again, ang trip nila na delay. What would have been like a two-week trip became a 40-year-long journey. Grabe ka delay, grabe ka detour ang trip nila. It's like this story of a friend I know nga, ganta siya matog Twin Lakes with his buddies. And then ending, napunta sila sa Baiz. True story. <laughs> How that happened, I don't know. Parang napunta sila sa Baiz before sila natog Twin Lakes sa San Jose. But this is much, much worse. Two-week trip becoming 40-year journey. Can you imagine that? It's like some of them weren't even born yet when the trip started. How did this happen? What happened that the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years? Now, for the whole detail and story, you can read through the books of Exodus and Numbers. But the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1 gives us a quick summary what really happened. Verse 20 of chapter 1 says here, Moses was recapping what has happened to them. I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites. The Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of our ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. So we see in these verses that God is telling them, hey, there's the promised land. Claim it now. It's yours. God is faithful to his covenant to Abraham and his descendants. Part of his promise or covenant to him was, Abraham, you're going to possess a land. Nations will come from you. Kings will come from you. And now, God is telling them, wait, diyan ang promised land. Okay? Don't be scourged. Don't be afraid. Occupy it. Then I go signal gika ni God. Come on, claim it. But what did the Israelites do? How did they respond to this amazing promise that God was telling them? Verse 22 says here, Moses was speaking, But you all came to me, said Moses, and said, First, let us send out scouts to explore the land for us. People were like, wait, 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 Moses. Mag-scout muna ta. Lantaw sa ta. Manigurado ta. Muna response nila. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. Now, that in itself, parang, wow, the lack of faith that you could read from that statement. They said na, that scouts will be the best to give us the best routes to take. God was telling them, ay, nagkabalaka. Don't be afraid. Conquer this place. But they said, oh, wait muna. Let's scout it for a while. So these scouts went about and they picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us. The scout said, The land the Lord our God has given is indeed a good land. So it's bountiful, it's prosperous. There's a lot of food there, unlike the wilderness that they recently came. But verse 26, I'll say, response Israelites, upon hearing this news, God promised this is a good land, claim it. Scouts went there and said, Wait, good land nisha. So what did the Israelites do? says here, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. 
They refused. Good land na, ang scouts na ginapaadto pa nila, ningon dito. Well, two of them said, uh, good ang land, but they still rebelled. Verse 29, But I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. Because there were people living there as well. And they were afraid na, we can't take these people. We can't defeat them. They were worried. But Moses says, don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. And he says there, he will fight for you. Just as you saw him do in Egypt. Now, this is very important. Remember, how were the Israelites able to escape Egypt? Did they do it through revolt, revolution, one-on-one, Pharaoh? No. It was God who did all of the hard work. It was all because of God. Through the ten plagues, through God's sovereignty, His power, the Pharaoh allowed them to get out of Egypt. In fact, they kicked out sila. And it was all because of God. The only reason why they were rescued from Egypt was because of God. He is the hero of that story. And Moses told them, He will fight for you the same way He did in Egypt. So if you were an Israelite, you would recall, how did God rescue me from Egypt? We grab, you know, ang Pharaoh. We were slaves back then, this mighty nation, powerless against God. How much more these other people? They could have responded that way or thought of that. But in verse 31, it says here, And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you along the way as you traveled through the wilderness. Moses, Just as a father cares for his child, Gabi ang care and love ni God for them. Now he has brought you to his place. Parang, wait, nana, ikwanin niyo. But verse 32, it's probably one of the saddest verses in this chapter. It says here, But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God. Ouch. And you know, that's a very painful verse right there. Even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God. How many of us, when we read this verse, may go put on it. There are moments in your life now, even after all that God has done for us, even after all the answered prayers we've heard, we've experienced as well, there are times that we refuse to trust the Lord. And this is what the Israelites did. They refused to trust God. God, He goes before you, looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Meaning, grabe jud ang care ang ginabot ni God para sa ilaha. Grabe intentions ni God para sa ilaha. But they would not trust God. So when the Lord heard their complaining, He became angry. In fact, very angry. And He solemnly swore, not one of you from this wicked generation would live to see the good land or claim or live in the promised land that I swore to give your ancestors, except for Caleb, the son of Jephune, and it's not mentioned here, but also Joshua. So the quick recap here is that an Israelite people, they were rescued from Egypt, went to Mount Sinai, received God's commandments, His covenant with them, His promises with them as well. They were on their way to the promised land, but near the promised land, they stopped. They would not go there. Some of them wanted to go back to Egypt. They were afraid to go to claim the promised land, even if God gave them the thumbs up. And God became angry with them and punished them. And He gave them what they wanted. Ayon yung mando sa promised land? Okay, none of you would live to see and claim the promised land. None of this wicked generation. Only their children would enter and claim the promised land. That's why for 40 years, they would wander in the wilderness. They would be like nomads going around. They will not fully settle in the wilderness. That's what happened to them. That's why Moses we told them in verse 2 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, it tells them, remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years. He's reminding them that before Madumusa promised land, before you get prosperous, before you go all the way there, remember how He has provided for you, how He's led you, how He's cared for you while we were in the wilderness. If last week Moses was charging them to obey God so they won't forget Him and His faithfulness when they prosper, because sometimes we forget about God when everything seems okay. Here, he's reminding them of God's faithfulness even during hard times while they were in the wilderness. 
Because also, a lot of times, when bad things happen to us, when we experience difficulties, when we experience lack, financial difficulties, or problems, healing, I mean, sickness, illnesses, oftentimes, we forget God's faithfulness. We become so quick to grumble and complain to God. Here, Moses is reminding them that, hey guys, remember, even at our most difficult situations, God was still there. Munang remind Moses. Now, he continues in verse 2. It talks about how God led them while they were in the wilderness. It talks about God's guidance and provision for them. It says here, how he has led them these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And the same thought is repeated in verse 16. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. So at the end of it, this humbling and testing was for their own good. So two things stand out today. God humbled them and God tested them to know what was in their hearts. It's not that God didn't know what was in their hearts. He wanted them to know what was in their hearts. So, humble and test. If you hear those statements, someone needed to humble them and test them. It goes to show you that these people, of course, were not humble. They were the complete opposite. The word humble there, a quick search, would means to be bowed down or afflicted. So these people, they were the opposite of humble. Okay? In fact, many times, if you read to Exodus and Numbers, you would see that many times they would act arrogantly, they would complain and grumble to God. One such example was in Numbers 11. Numbers 11, amazingly, is a chapter called The People Complain. The People Complain in chapter 8. This is right after they left Mount Sinai, a few days on their journey to the Promised Land, like two or three days long. And it says here, the people complained, in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. The Lord was angry because, remember, he had just rescued his people. He gave a covenant with them, his promises to them. He stayed with them for one year at Mount Sinai. And now they're on their way to the promised land. He's about to bless them even more. Their future is amazing. But on their way, palang, nag-complain na sila. And verses 4 to 6 shows us how ungrateful ang actions nila. Verse 4 says there, Now the rabble, or the mixed people, or foreigners or mixed blood, that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. Nag craves like meat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. When they said now, we remember. And no, we have food in Egypt. We had this and that. The meat, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. When they say that, it's like they're describing that, okay, kaya life na sa Egypt. The Lord was angry with them because when they complain, it's like they're telling that, better pang life na to sa Egypt. May patong na Egypt. We had all of this food, cucumbers, melons, leeks. Okay lang, tatu kayo. Karun nga, travel ta karun. Padulong ani, with Moses, nagkagutom ta. Grabe ang complain It's like, ang memory nila, Full take ayo, because if you look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it says there, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Does that look like they were having the time of their life? Does it look like everything was okay, abundant with food? No, they were slaves in Egypt. And it says here, their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. God heard their cries and rescued them. And now here they were complaining to God and saying, Ah, may patong sa Egypt. Dakaming pagkaon. Namin eat all you can dito. Grabe ka ingrata ang response nila basically. Parang nasa illusion sa mind nila. Deluded ilang memory nga. Okay ka yung life nila sa Egypt. In fact, they were slaves there. Not everything was okay there. 
Basically, they fell in love with an illusion from the past instead of looking for what God had for them in the future. Instead of looking to God and His promises, what He had in store for them, they were stuck to the past. In fact, they even complained to God about His provision for them. More of this manna later, but in verse 6, it says, there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. Manna was God's provision to them. He gave them food. So parang, I've ever cooked or given food to someone, and the response is, what's up, money? Why angay? It's kind of like that advertisement nga, katong, impress us, mom. Grabe namin mga anak. Grabe ang response nila. This is what the Israelites did. They complained to God. They were ungrateful. They were arrogant towards God. The one who rescued them from slavery was bringing them to a better place. Yan ang response nila. That's why God humbled them and tested them. Now, how did He do so? There were many tests and ways God did so, but one such way, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, it says here, He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. So one of the things God did was that He let them experience hunger and thirst, and He fed them with this substance called manna. It says there, which you did not know, nor your fathers did not know, that He might make you know that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, unsa ba mana? Now, the word mana, the Hebrew word there, roughly translates to what is it? So the word mana means what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. What the provision of God for them? Exodus 16 verse 31, night descriptions of mana. They call it mana. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And the reason why they had manna was because in verse 7 of Exodus 16, on their journey, in the morning you shall see the glory of God because He has heard your grumbling against the Lord. So again, another example of the Israelites complaining, grumbling to the Lord. Because here, they were complaining, oh, what's they were hungry. So that's a regular pattern you would see when you read through the books of Exodus and Numbers. You would see the Israelites complaining, grumbling, and rebelling against God a lot of times. So here, they were complaining about food. So God gave them Mana to eat. Now again, they still had flocks, mga cows or sheep and all of that. Why they complained about that is not stated, but God still provided them with manna. And when God provided them with manna, it was with certain conditions, certain rules as well. Very important ang pang-provide ni God. This would serve to humble and test them as well. It says here in verse 14 to 16, And when the Jew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. This was the manna. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Again, manna, that's a Hebrew phrase, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. An omer is about roughly two liters. And in verse 19, Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. So, wala mabilin for the next day. But this means that when they would go out to gather manna from the fields every morning, kung say gather nila, good for the day to. Kano nila for the entire day, and wala mabilin for the next morning. But in verse 20, it says here, But they did not listen to Moses. Guide is like, some left part of it till the morning, and guess what happened? It bred worms and stank. If you ever had experienced food, especially nga narat, mga worms, that's what happened here, and it stank. And Moses was angry with them. So morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. So he could only gather it some morning, at that specific time period lang, and they can't keep for more than a single day's portion. 
But on the sixth day, it says in verse 22, Moses told them that they should gather twice as much bread, meaning more than just the regular portion ginagather nila. Because on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be no manna for them. So, ang rules ni God was, every day, you gather enough for your household for one day's portion. On the sixth day, you gather twice that. Because on the seventh day, there will be no manna for them. And they can only gather manna during the morning period. Now, verse 27, on the seventh day, some of them, the men of the people, went out to gather. Thinking perhaps, ah, sure this Moses, six days, nine manna every day? Ano man, wala the following day. So, they went out to gather. And they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and laws? And in verse 32, 35, a few more things about the importance of this manna. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. The people of Israel ate manna, guess what, for 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Get a quick recap of the story. The people complained to God that they had no food. God gave them manna and gave certain rules for them to gather and eat manna. At first, the people did not obey God. They gathered more. They tried to hoard for themselves manna, thinking, ay, para nami food for the following days. And it did not work. Nagrat, it bred worms and it stank. He told them to gather on the sixth day twice as much because on the seventh day, wala. But they still, they did not obey. They went out to try to find and gather. Thinking, siguro ka, anapa, siguro out there, mana, for sure, di na mahurot. But there was none. Twice, they disobeyed God. And Moses, in the last part here, God told them to keep a certain portion of it to remind the people, to remind the coming generations how God provided for them in the wilderness. So this manna here is quite important. It shows God's faithfulness to provide for Israel. Even though they were in the wilderness, they were punished in the wilderness because of their unfaithfulness to God, God still continued to provide for them. Guess what? 40 years manna. 40 years na provide ni God manna to eat. Even after they were told by God, none of this wicked generation will enter the promised land, they were still eating manna. Gina provide God. Grabe ang faithfulness and provision ni God for them. This is why this manna here was quite important. Now, why did God do it this way? Why did God orchestrate the provision of manna this way as well? Verse 3 tells us, says here, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the provision of bread from heaven was not simply done to satisfy Israel's physical needs. Yes, the people complained they had no food, but God didn't just do it to feed them. Parang, oh, pagkaon, paghilom mo diha. It wasn't just that. It was also to signify that their whole lives were to be sustained by the Lord and governed by His Word. Because if you look at it, there's a contrast between them keeping manna for themselves during the regular days and hoarding manna, good for more than one day, versus keeping manna that's more than good enough for one day on the sixth day. If they tried to hoard manna on, let's say, Monday to Friday, if we try to hoard manna, that's good for more than one day, moratcha, magstinksha, there'd be worms, there's no blessing. But they obeyed God's instruction and kept twice as much on the sixth day. Paranasipagkaon for the seventh day, okay ra, it did not rot, no problems there. So it goes to show that they could not scheme their way. Dis lang maka-discard yan eh, dis lang maka-rely on their own plans, abilities. This was to show them that their lives ought to be controlled or ought to be led by God. Si God dapat ang center sa life nila. 
This illustrates that man's condition is controlled as their life should be by the word of the Lord. Again, man does not live on bread alone. We don't live by our physical needs alone. It says here, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We ought to live hanging on to God's word. We need God's word. We need God. God was reminding them, Israelites, you cannot live your life apart from me. He's reminding them that as my people, your whole life should be centered on me. Ako dapat at center sa life ninyo. That's why this whole provision of manna was done to remind them that they could not do it their own way. They need to obey and trust God. God humbled them in a way that they had to be fully dependent and trust in God for His provision. Munang nangitabo sa manna. Now in verses 4 and 15, we also get their other examples of God's provision and care for them. Verses 4 says, Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Can you imagine that? For 40 years, wala ni wear out ang salina nila. For 40 years, di sila kailangan mangukay, di sila kailangan mag-shopping, di sila kailangan mo pa salina because their clothing did not wear out. Siguro if they had sandals or slippers nila, Dili siguro mura buslot ng slippers sa sandals, di ba? Have you ever tried walking or traveling na may buslot ng slippers? Dili inan ang sandals nila if they had one. Because it did not wear out. Lupig pa, Highlander sa ilang giusar siguro. Ilang sanina, wala na worn out. And their feet did not swell. Anyone who ever got swollen or tired feet because of running, marathon, whatever, jogging, or just walking a long distance, di ba? Sakit sa feet, usahay. Imagine, 40 years kagabiyahin. These people, they had no cars, buses. Ang road trip nila, maglakaw. Yes, for some of them, sakay siguro, donkeys and what. But for the vast majority of them, they had to walk. And yet, their feet did not swell. Even in the smallest deals, God still provided and blessed them. Verse 15 naman says, Who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness? Meaning, this wilderness, it was no picnic. It was no parang good place to go there. At the trip, it says here that there were fiery serpents, scorpions were there. And the thirsty ground where there was no water. There were places nga wala kayo water. This was not a place that you wanted to go for your vacation lang. And it says here, who brought you water out of the flinty rock? Because there was one instance na. They complained naman. Uh, Moses, we're thirsty. We have no water. Chapter 17 of Exodus, verse 6. says here, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock. This God telling Moses and water shall come of it and the people shall drink. So even at that time, the people complained. God still provided for them. He gave them food and He gave them water to drink. So again, grab your provision of God. There are many other ways God provided for them. Okay? If you were to recap this whole journey la, from Egypt to the promised land, basically, God rescued them from Egypt. God gave them manna for 40 years. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't swell. God gave them water to drink. God even granted them victories over certain battles. There are many other things God did for them. God healed them when they experienced plague or other problems. In other words, when we recap the wilderness story of the Israelites and Sailang history, we would see two things that continue to pop out. First is God's faithfulness. How much of a promise keeper is. Remember, he has a covenant with Abraham. He has a promise with Abraham. Abraham, among descendants, in family, they would claim this promised land. Now, even though many of them rejected God, rebelled against God, keep on complaining, grumbling against God, God did not wipe them out completely. God could have done so. God could have said, i done with you, my Israelites. I'll choose another people, another family. But because He had made a covenant with them, He was faithful to them. And even with the many number of times they were unfaithful, God was still faithful to His promises and His covenant. He kept providing for them, leading them, and eventually led them to the promised land. Another thing that keeps popping out is Israel's unfaithfulness. 
God provided for them, God would bless them, then very quickly after that, they would forget. <laughs> they would complain. It's like, God, put yourself in God's shoes. If you were God and you were continually providing, helping these people, and they kept on complaining, parang ikaw po, parang, how long will you keep complaining? Grabe na rescue na mo sa Egypt. He provide them with food. He provide them with water. Now he promised nga padulong para sa inyo, And yet these people just kept on distrusting and rebelling against God. And you would see that pattern time and time again. The Israelites kept on grumbling, complaining. One Bible commentator by the name of Clark said, they could never be satisfied. Even God himself could not please them because they were ever preferring their own wisdom to his. Seems like prefers the own wisdom nila sa ilang own ways. Which is why Moses, who had been leading them from day one, reminds them not to forget God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, which is why Moses told them, guys, remember, 40 years ta ni Agi sa wilderness. During those times, guess what? Di provide ta ni God. Faithful si God sa atuwa. He says, remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years. Remember, guys. Ayaw ka limte. Grabe, ka-faithful si God. Kita dili. Siya, grabe. Verse 14, because he's warning them, then your heart will be lifted up when you experience prosperity in the promised land. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. If they don't obey His commandments, His laws, they will forget God. That's why He's charging them. Guys, remember God. Remember how He was faithful to us when we were in difficult times, when we were in the wilderness. Remember now that you're about to experience even more prosperity. Guys, remember si God. I claim this God. So what does this mean for all of us naman? 2021, we're not Jews, we're not ancient Israelites. What can we get from this story? When we look at the the part of the Israelites' history from their journey in the wilderness, what can we get back? Two things that I want to share to us. Firstly, remember God's faithfulness. Just as Moses was charging the people to remember, we ought to remember as well God's faithfulness. One of the key words in this chapter is that word, remember. Because we'd always see it time and time again in this chapter, and it's opposite, forget. If last week Moses charged them to remember God even when they experience prosperity, here we see him urging the people to remember God's faithfulness during their difficult years. He's starting to remember, guys, remember what God did for us in the wilderness. Exodus 16, verse 32. In fact, God told Moses, remember this, the Lord commanded, let an omer, two liters about worth of manna, be kept throughout your generations. Even after Moses' generation, generations after that part, let this manna be kept so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. This was to serve as a reminder for them uh, for their future descendants. Uh, guys, remember itong nasmana itong lolo? Guess what? Grabe si God ato. Grabe ang pag-feed niya sa ilaha. 40 years muna ginabuhat ni God. It was to remind them of God's provision for them. Now, if we were to compare ourselves with the Israelites, medyo grabe ang ako mga statement so far sa Israelites. If we were to compare ourselves to them, isn't it that a lot of times we act no better than them? Isn't it that a lot of times we tend to complain so quickly, grumble against God, we're so quick to forget about God and His faithfulness, especially when we experience difficulties, when we experience lack, problems in life. Isn't it that quick putang makalimot sa faithfulness, sa, sa pagka-awesome ni God? When bad things happen to us, kusog tama ni Lord, di ba? Lord, asa naman akong ginapray? Lord, nag-mid-year prayer and fasting ko, asa na answered prayer na ako? We're so quick to ask God, to demand things from God. Not thinking na, no, what if maningil si Lord sa toa? Faithful ba ta Lord? Kusog kita mo question ni ka sa faithfulness. Question, what about us and our faithfulness to God? 
we will not even come close to matching God's faithfulness in our lives. Grabe ka faithful si God. If kita natay mga favorite brands of certain products, shampoo, sanina, clothes, soap, because they have proven their quality over the years sa life nato, then all the more we should trust, all the more we should put our faith in God. All the more God shouldn't have to prove pa His faithfulness to us. If we were to look back, recall some of the things God has done for our lives, that would greatly encourage and remind us, wait, grab a promise keeper to God. It's easy to forget God's faithfulness when bad things happen to us, but try and recall, how has God shown His faithfulness to you even when you were going through a difficult time in your life? Try and recall. Think of even the smallest things God has blessed you with while you were experiencing those difficulties. Most importantly for us, if ang Israelites are going to remind Moses, hey guys, remember, be faithful to God. Don't forget about God because He rescued you from Egypt and He provided for you in the wilderness. For us naman, all the more we should remember God's faithfulness because He rescued us from something far worse than Egypt and the wilderness. And He provided us with something that's far more greater than manna for 40 years. If ang manna lasted for 40 years, ang provision ni God sa tua is good for eternity. What is this? Jesus, of course. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. As partakers of the new covenant, which is even better promises, guess what? God provided for us the solution, the answer, the provision we need for the, for the problem of our sin. Without this, without God doing this, we would all experience the consequences, the condemnation because of our sins. But because God intervened, God rescued and saved us through Christ's death on the cross, our eternity is now assured. Mana, good for 40 years. Amazing yapon. But still, kaning, ang gibot ni God para sa tua is good for our eternity. 40 years is a long time, but kani is for the rest of eternity. It says here that whoever believes in Him, believes in Christ, will not perish, but have eternal life, will be with God for all of eternity. Grabi ang gibot ni God para sa tua. The second thing we can get from this story is God is the source of life. Too many times, people have this mindset that if I have this, I'll have a good life. If I could reach my dream, if I could buy this thing, if I could get rich, if I could have this person. We have this thinking that if mga certain things, we would have a good life. But in the story of the insights, we get to see God teaching His people that the way to have a good kind of life is a life with me, life with God. There's more to life than meeting our physical needs. The insights were with God, but strangely, their security was not on God. The Israelites were with God, the very being who rescued them from Egypt. The very being was able to do miracles that even Pharaoh and the mighty nation of Egypt could not even match. The very being who allowed them to cross the Red Sea. The very being who made all these miracles before them. And yet, they could not trust God. Ang ilang security was on themselves, their own thinking, their own scheming ways, and on material things. When they were traveling in the wilderness to the promised land, God was with them. God led them. The presence of God led on ahead of them. But instead of just trusting God, Oy, kung sila, they could have thought na gutoman. Pero namas God dere. This is God who made the plagues, frogs, katong gnats, flies, hail happen, parted the Red Sea. This is the God that we're following. Adir ta magworry for sure. Kaya niya pagkaon nato. Instead, they're thinking na Moses wale pagkaon ano migidla ni God dere. It would be better for us to go back to Egypt. They're thinking a better pang past life namo. Not only that, but when God gave them manna and gave them instructions, getrays lag thinking nagpa wai sila. I magather ko more. 
God told them every day they would have manna and yet they still hoarded something for themselves. Grabe ang gibot ng kaan sa ilad, but they tried to trust on their own ways. They complained about manna because they wanted more and they kept complaining, but they got hungry and thirsty. And then they forgot that the one who miraculously rescued them from Egypt was with them. The same thing with us. If we claim to be believers, followers of Christ, and we have God with us, I'm not saying that because we're believers of Christ, we're Christians, it doesn't mean that we have any problems in life. Anymore. It doesn't mean that we can ever experience problems. In fact, that's what this whole story is all about. Even in the midst of our problems, challenges, difficulties in life, we would still experience God's presence and His provision. We can still experience God's faithfulness. And same thing with us. Our security, our assurance in life should not be on material possessions, should not be on wealth. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. God blesses us and prospers us. But our security and assurance should not be on them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. As Moses reminded the people of Israel to depend on the Lord, to meet their every need, man shall not live by bread alone, also reminds us to do the same, that we owe our blessings and prosperity to God's divine provision. That when we live our lives, it should be in a way that we're dependent on God. And interestingly, you know, this was the same verses that Jesus quoted. When he was in the wilderness, when he was fasting, the devil, Satan, tried to tempt him. Matthew 4, verse 3, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He tried to tempt Jesus. But in verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Another time, Jesus said, John 4, 34, he said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus relied on every word that God stated and refused to act independently. He was obedient even to the point of death on the cross. In other words, we are to rely and hang on to every word that comes from God. You see, God's word, the scriptures, they are life-giving and life-sustaining. The scriptures, God's word, they're not dead, they are alive. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divisions of the soul and of the spirit, joints of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The scriptures, God's word, they change people's lives. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. How is it that we came to be a believer, a follower of Christ? Through his word, someone preached the word to us. Someone used God's word to preach to us, and it changed our lives. It gave us life. Likewise, John 1 verse 14, when it talks about the word, it says here, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here it says here that the word, the word that this is pertaining to, the word that is living and active as well, that gives life, says here, the word became flesh. This is talking about Jesus naman. In John chapter 1, and so goes the gospel according to John, John says that Jesus, who is God, who is this word, became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, if we want the best quality kind of life, and we say that God is the source of life, and God was teaching His people to live a life that He was the center of, that they couldn't live a life apart from Him, here we see that Jesus is living word that we need to have life, that we need to have a good life. The word word here comes from the word logos. And for both the Jews and the Greeks, 
ang logos is something that, that they're familiar with. For the Jews, the word logos to them is associated with the personification of God's revelation or the personified instrument for God's will. And for the Greeks naman, logos is used to describe basically like an intermediary between God create and created material things. So both the Jews and the Greeks, they would understand nga, oh, importante ning word nga logos. And then this pertains to Jesus. This is why in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the life. If we are here today and we want to learn from the mistakes of the Israelites who tried to live their own way, who tried to rely on their own selves, their own thinking, who tried to distrust and rebel against God so many times, and God continued to humble and test them and told them, hey, this is how you can live your life. Not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from me. If we need that word of God, it says here that He is the living word, Jesus, and He is the life. In other words, we need Christ in our life. You can have all the material possessions, all the wealth in the world, but without Christ, it wouldn't compare to a kind of quality life that has Jesus. The word life there, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is the word zoe. And it means the best quality kind of life, a life that is lived with God, a life that can't be matched by any other kind of life. And this is the kind of life that's promised by God as well when He said, He who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. The kind of life that is guaranteed for all of eternity. This is why we need Christ in our lives. So as I close this, may we be reminded of God's faithfulness. When we look back at the story of the Israelites, may we remind it that God is faithful even when we experience hardships. So if I was to leave one more thing to you, I'll leave you with this question for everyone. If you were to recall, even after this preaching, how was God guided and provided for you and for in your family this past year? The pandemic happened. I understand it's difficult. Lesoja, it's not easy for all of us. But even when all this is happening, think back, recall, how has God continued still bless you and provided for you and your family? Even if how has He done so still? Think back of those things. How has He continued to bless you and provided for you? You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.